Welcome to Talking Mom to Mom. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. My name is Lindsay and my co-host, whom you will meet shortly, is Rochelle. We are two moms on the opposite side of the same coin. Between the two of us, we have children at every age and stage and hope to inspire those homeschool moms who need to pick me up in their busy schedule, busy just like us. We have come to realize that the best way to approach this sanctifying work of motherhood is with a good dose of humor and humility. Thank you for joining us today. Now let's get on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to Talking Mom to Mom. This is Rochelle, Episode 6, Implementing Narration, Copywork, and Dictation into Your Homeschool. And Lindsay is not with us today. She is out sick. She doesn't have a voice. Oh, I mean, I, I, it's amazing to me that she doesn't have a voice. I'm sure those around her are quite sad not to hear her talking. No, she, she's wonderful to talk to, as you all know, and I hope that she feels better quickly and that she's resting and is getting a lot of tea with lemon, rest of that voice, because she will be back next week talking about art study, music study, and nature study. That was supposed to be this week, but since she's not here and she had such awesome things planned, we decided to put that one off and put this one forward about dictation, narration, and copywork, and we'll discuss that briefly. It's short and to the point, and that's why you're here is to learn quickly about all these lovely things that Charlotte Mason has for us. And if you're familiar with the Charlotte Mason method, then these are not unheard of terms to you. If you're interested in implementing these, or if you already have been implementing them, um, I'm sure you will gain something from today's episode. Now, I'd like to start out by talking about copywork. Copywork is, usually we start that around first, second grade, and it lasts about five to ten minutes, and I do it every day. And what you want to do is you're going to want to choose a, a living book, scripture or poetry, a passage, a short passage from each of those. Depending on your child's age and ability, you may want to start out with a couple words, a very short sentence. It doesn't have to be something long. It, should, it could be um, from a reader book if your child is just learning how to read and maybe is kind of resistant to writing. You can start out with something very short just to get the process going. It's a very quick process. You'll write down or have it provided for them. There are plenty of books online, uh, copywork books, or you can do your own as far as just picking and choosing, drawing from what you already have. Normally the way I would do it is I had a an easel that was a whiteboard, and I would write down the copywork for that day. And when the kids were getting ready to start school, it was the first thing we did. That's how we chose to do it. They would grab out, grab their notebook, and they would right away start the copywork. And so that's the way we did it. I didn't purchase anything in particular for it. I tried to use what we were currently using just to reinforce some of the lessons. So if we were studying, you know, a particular composer or an artist, often I would use a quote from that artist or that composer. If we were studying someone in particular in history from that person, or if we're using um, a book or read aloud that we're all using, 
I would use something from there that was interesting or poetry if we're studying that or if we were a particular verse in scripture that we were trying to memorize or if that scripture was reinforcing a habit that I was trying to um, get across to the kids. So that's how I chose. You may have other methods of doing it, and that's just making sure that what they're copying is something that is valuable to them is the most important thing. And sometimes to make things a little more interesting, when they would do their copy work, I would have them often use different colored uh, little Sharpies or markers or and they would write all the verbs in one color or nouns in another color, or they'd punctuate in a particular color. Or as they were learning certain um, sounds, phonic sounds and things of that nature, I would have them write those in a particular color. So that's, that's just something that we did. I found that to be quite helpful. Maybe you will too. Uh, the purpose of copy work, the focus is really handwriting, but it also will build the habit of attentiveness and diligence, and it gives them exposure to punctuation, capitalization, and sentence structure. So it's the kind of the first thing that they're going to do that will expose them to the process of not just handwriting, but the whole process that we're going to go through once we get to dictation, the process of not really the spelling, because like I said, we're, right now we're focusing on handwriting, but it is going to expose them to that properly spelled words, words in proper sentence structure, and they're just going to be taking all of that in. It's a great time possibly to put in, you know, Shakespeare quotes, if that's something that you're doing as well, and to have them understand the, the beauty of some of these words and showing them, you know, really great works of literature. Now, I would have them, I would really reinforce the handwriting. So if I found that it was sloppy because of laziness, because of just wanting to get through it quick, you know, then I would have them do it over. However, it is not a process that we want to repeat past five or ten minutes. We don't want to, this is not an all-day process. It's not a battle of the wills. It's nothing like that. So, but to develop that habit of attentiveness and putting forth best effort I would only accept it if it was showing their best effort and reinforcing the fact that we want to make sure everything is done with their best effort. But the habit of best, you know, showing diligence, best, best effort, that is not something that's only done through copy work. So if you're having difficulty in that five to ten minutes that morning, just continue the habit, continue reinforcing that don't take out 30 minutes, 40 minutes and say, you need to copy this until it's right. You need to copy it until your fingers fall off because I don't like your attitude. <laughs> you know, so That's not, we don't want to get caught up in that. Now, and that's, that's all there is. We had a copy workbook. They had composition books and they would keep them and they would have them. Sometimes I would have, allow them to doodle in them and kind of decorate them depending on the creativity of the child. I know my son had no interest in that, but my daughter did enjoy that aspect of it. And the next step when we want to teach spelling, the way that Charlotte Mason reinforces spelling is through dictation. And dictation takes the place of your traditional spelling test on Friday. Um, that's how we did it anyway. 
we chose passages that were familiar, but they don't have to be memorized. See, the difference between copywork and dictation is that copywork, they're going to look at it and they're going to copy it. Dictation is when I would say it and they would write it down. So they would have to, at this point, be able to spell the words correctly and correctly be able to identify where capitalization is an issue, punctuation, grammar, you know, all of that. And they would also at this point have to be attentive enough to listen. Because when you dictate, and again, it doesn't have to start out being long passages, but it does build up to that. It can start out being something very simple, and then you can move on and build from there. But you only want to say something one time. The reason for that is, again, attentiveness. You don't need to have to repeat it. We, you don't want it to be interrupted. You want them to be paying attention, giving their best effort. You want them to sit down, and we're going to just work through this. Because dictation, again, is only about, depending on how long your passage is, so the time frame is going to change, but normally it doesn't last more than 15 minutes. Um, even with longer passages, it doesn't last that long. So, for instance, what I would do um, with when I started this, I started with my um, daughter, and she was using Bob books at the time. And I use those. They're not living books, but I had a child with or still have a child with dyslexia. So it really helped to use books that she was familiar with, that she could read, she could spell, to help reinforce the listening comprehension, to reinforce you know, the writing and writing um, with the proper sentence structure, with the proper capitalization and punctuation to have something she was a little more familiar with. And what I would do is I would take her book, the Bob book, which is, if you're familiar with them, you know how short they are. And we would read a sentence on Monday, a sentence on Tuesday, a sentence on Wednesday, a sentence on Thursday. And then on Friday, she would do all of those sentences put together. And so she would have a she has a little composition book with all these Bob books that she had done, and then she'd draw pictures of each one also, each sentence, a picture for each one. And she had fun with that. And then as she moved on beyond that, I would use other books that she was more familiar with, some Dr. Seuss and so on. Now, for um, my older kids and kids that did not struggle with dyslexia, I would often use a passage of scripture or I would use poetry. Um, or uh, something from whatever book they were reading. And um, we would go over, I would break it down, because they, you want them to be familiar with the passage before they write it down, and you want to make sure that when they're writing it, they're words that they should already know how to spell. Again, they don't have to memorize the entire thing, but you need to go over it. So by the time Friday hits and we're going to dictate it, it's something that they're going to be able to accomplish on their own without with minimal mistakes. I'm sure there will be some mistakes, of course, but minimal mistakes. Now, as you're dictating, there's going to be this this draw for you to want to correct when you see that they're doing something wrong, something spelled wrong, they forgot a period, they forgot a comma, or they put in a question mark where it didn't belong, or perhaps they even skipped a word. And it is our natural instinct to want to just correct it immediately or tell them, okay, no, you spelled that wrong. And that's not the approach that I would take. I would take the approach of having them self-correct. 
And to get them in the habit of being able to do that properly, I would just ask leading questions. I would say, are you sure that you checked all that to make sure you spelled it all correctly? And they'd get from that the little clue, oh, she sees a spelling error. Well, let me go through it and see. Um, or I would say, did you uh, forget a period? Or you might want to check some punctuation. Did you go over that? Are you making sure that you didn't skip a word? Could you read over that? And does that make sense to you? You know, maybe you're going a little too fast. And that would help them critically think instead of you just correcting it, just handing it in and putting red marks all over it. This way they're going over it. They're correcting it. They're recognizing the mistake, and then they're correcting the mistake. You'll see the fruit of that later on. As time goes on, they will begin to do that on their own, and they'll know what to look for. And they'll know what to look for because you've been asking those leading questions. They'll remember, oh, that's right, let me check, spelling and punctuation and, you know, sentence structure. Did I skip a word? You know, make sure all of it's written correctly, written neatly. And they'll learn to do that on their own, which is a goal. We want our children to be able to do those things and become independent. And, again, with dictation, you can find things if you would like a particular program or um something of that nature that's online. I'm sure if you search, you'll find plenty of wonderful materials out there that you can purchase for your child, but you can also use what you're already, what you already have in hand as well. Like I said, a book that they're reading. This may be a bit of a scary process for someone with dyslexia or with children who are reluctant to write or with children who are not the best spellers. Okay, so it, it very well may be so take it slow. Take it, you know, re keep reinforcing it, the the words and the passage the passage that you'll be using over Monday through Thursday. You can do that through copy work. You can do it through mini dictations every day, and then on Friday have the longer dictation of the entire passage. That would help my um, dyslexic daughters get through it, because one actually loves to write, doesn't mind it, and the other one does not like to write at all. So it, it helps her to go in on Friday feeling confident that we've studied it all week. She knows what she's doing. These are words that we've been using. They're words that she's been studying as far as in her reading program. So you can tailor this to your child's needs if you're not using something in particular. If you feel like the read aloud that you're using, you know, your child's reading comprehension or listening comprehension is high, but as far as their ability to write it or spell it is not quite there yet. It doesn't quite match. And that's, that's common. That can happen. If so, then you want to tailor your dictation and copywork to something that's more on their level because it's going to, because we also want to teach punctuation, capitalization, attentiveness. And, you know, it's not just a simple process. We're teaching a lot of things. But what's great about it is it's, not stressful and it doesn't take long. Now a child might think, oh I don't like to write, but I promise you after you've done it, if you take it slow, you, you'll see the fruit of it. You'll see how the building blocks are working and by Friday, by a couple weeks and a month, you're going to see great amount of improvement in your child. Now another hallmark of the Charlotte Mason method is narration. Narration is, is probably one of my favorite aspects. And it is because when I implemented narration, that is when I saw some of the, some of the best progress 
that my kids have made as far as their being able to communicate what they have learned, what they have read, and even help them in their writing process. And, and here's why. Narration is simply just retelling of the story or the text that, that you've read to them. So the process is reading a portion of text, and then you just ask your child to retell um, what you've just read, what they've recalled in their own words. Now, you, what you want to do is you're going to read something, but you're only going to read it once because, again, we are going to develop that habit of attentiveness. So you're going to read it once, and then you're going to ask them to narrate. You know, what did you learn? What, what, read, you know, tell back to me what you learned from this. Now, we don't want any little parrots. So if they repeat, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to see what they've learned, how they've connected to the story, and they're not doing that if they're just repeating word for word. So you want to make sure that your narration is not valueless, that it is beneficial to them. And it's only going to be beneficial if they're learning from the actual text, not just repeating Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. <laughs> so you want to make sure that they're getting something out of it. So you read it, you ask them to retell it in their own words, and um if they're retelling it in their own words, then you you move on to the next passage or to next, you know, I, I did narration several times. Like we do history with multiple ages, so I'll often read from our history text to everyone. And I'll ask a couple different times for narration because I'll ask from different kids because they're just going to repeat each other. So you're going to want to, if you have multiple kids and you're reading to them from the same book, you might want to choose who's going to do narration first, kind of like, well, you know, uh, what did you learn today off of, not, well, not today, but what did you learn off of this paragraph or whatever you read? And then you're going to read, it, read something else, and then you're going to ask your next student. You're not, and don't get too caught up with everybody talking about the same one because your class will never end. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never get through it. And we do want to be expedient. We do want to, we want everyone to gain the most they can out of it. And we do want to make sure, you know, homeschooling is all about learning and the love of learning and children going off on tangents is not necessarily a bad thing. But if you're focused on trying to develop narration, since you do not want kids repeating each other, you'll want to read the portion, ask one child, read another portion, ask another child, and so on. And that way they're not retelling anything, retelling the same thing. Now, you don't have to just do it that one way. Narration oral, orally is the common. That's that's usually the ter, the way most people do it. But you can also do it written. You can also implement kids that are a little bit like creative. They want to draw. They want to create things out of Play-Doh. Now, drawing in and of itself is not narration, but what you can do is ask them, draw me a story, a child who might be reluctant. You'll say, what did I just read? And maybe they're just giving you a sentence. Maybe they just don't really know how to express it. Uh, maybe they're just not sure, they're reluctant and for whatever reason. Then if they're the type of child that enjoys art, enjoys that type of expression, then have them draw something, draw a scene. And when you're done drawing that scene, come bring it to me and tell me about it. And you'll find that now all of a sudden they have a lot to say now because they knew what they draw. You know, they knew what they're drawing. You know, they know what they're doing. Or have them draw a character. 
and ask them to describe the character, ask them to describe the behavior of the character, and then give examples from the book as to why you think, well, what kind of personality does this character have? And when they answer, then say, well, give me examples from what you've read that would reinforce that, that would make you believe this character is this way or that way. And you'll find that they do have a lot to say, and they'll find they have a lot to say. And once they get used to that, you may not, as they get older, they're not going to need to draw as much or make little Play-Doh scenes, and those things are all fun. They used to make posters. Um, when it came to writing, I used to have them write a diary. Like, if you were that character, what would you write in your diary today after what you've read? You know, what they've gone through that day, what they did, what they've seen, who they talked to. Or if you were writing to that character, they were your pen pal, what would you say, what would they say back? You know, that that type of thing. And that helps their ability to write later on. Because for some children, you need to take those small steps. Some, they're ready to go right away. You ask them what they've, what they've learned in the story. They can tell you. You say, okay, go read this passage. Write me a paragraph on, you know, what you've learned. Retell it in your own words that way. And then they just write it, and they're ready to go. And some need a little more encouragement. So I use narration not only for them to retell me the story orally, I used it as a vehicle to help my children write. And I had found that that was so impactful in getting children who were reluctant to write and didn't seem to know how to write three sentences to being able to just turn in three paragraphs. Because once we went through the process of doing it orally, once we went through the process sometimes of like mixing it up and saying, okay, put on a little puppet show and redo a scene from the story and then tell me about it or why did you pick that scene or what about it was significant to you um did you find a word in there that you're not familiar with did you look it up to, you know tell me what it means was there a quote was there something that resonated with you and once they made it really personal that way whether and like i said through some creative means like drawing and play-doh and painting and making posters and writing diary entries they were able to tell me things, tell me all this stuff that they didn't even know they knew, you know, that they weren't even, you know, that was able to really give me quality work. And I was very happy when I saw that progress. And that's what made me just absolutely love the whole process of narration. And it can be used in every, you know, all your subjects, history, when you're doing your read-alouds, when they're doing their own private reading. I would assign my children when they would read their private books, books that they were uh, reading on their own for history or for science, that they would give me a paragraph on what they've read that day, and they would write it down. And then our read aloud, I would ask one, you know, narrate an oral for an oral narration, and then I'd read a little more, ask the other for an oral narration, and I did the same process with the oral narration for history. And sometimes for history, they would also do it um, through a creative means or through writing as well. But most of the time, if it's I'm reading it aloud, they just did the narration orally. And if it was something they were reading on their own, then they would write it or they would do it in some other creative way and then explain it to me, like the picture and then explain your picture. But I did find if you do have a child that is reluctant, that doing something creative with it, Plato, a puppet show, that once they did that, it really helped them put everything that they learned into their own words because now it's 
they're creating something visually and then they have to explain it. And it was very, very helpful. It was also very helpful with having dyslexic children because they're so visual. And my daughter really enjoyed the process of drawing these characters that we would be talking about and talking about um, how they acted in the story and even surmising what they would do next. And it, it developed these long conversations that then were fun to have because sometimes, you know, you, you let it go and you go off on those tangents and sometimes you have to rein it in. So then you'll know. You'll know when it's productive and when it's not productive. It's, it's, not, it's not a hard science. You'll know what you're doing. You're there. So narration, dictation, and copywork, those are three of the main hallmarks of the Charlotte Mason method. However, I do think you could implement any of those methods into any um, homeschool. If you are not doing all of the Charlotte Mason method, you still will find benefit out of having your children narrate, having copywork, having dictation. And if you are currently using a spelling book and that's what you're, you want to use and that's what you feel comfortable using, it doesn't mean that you cannot implement dictation. You can use those words in a sentence and have, you know, dictate those sentences to your child to write. And that will reinforce handwriting, listening comprehension, attentiveness, punctuation, capitalization, sentence structure. So if copy work, if you have your child memorizing scripture, it is not only is copy work, it's really great for, you know, your handwriting practice, but it also does aid in, you know, memory and exposure to these words. So if you're using a handwriting uh, curriculum right now where you're like handwriting without tears, I've used that, but then I've also done dictation at the same time. So it, you can still add these in. Narration is something really simple, real easy to add in as you're reading, whatever you're, even if you're watching documentary, it's a great conversation tool. It's to get your kids thinking and so you can see how they're connecting with the material that's being given to them and not just repeating it, but how they're viewing it and what they think of it. And it's that leads to a lot of fun, really. A lot of great conversations come from that. Now, on our blog, TalkingMomToMom.com, to aid in having some fun narration, um, there is a free ebook called Making Narration Fun, Ideas to Make Narration Engaging for Elementary Students. And it will give you a lot of ideas on how to make narration a little bit fun. And for instance, making these narration flip cards, which basically is getting an index card, writing on different ways to do narration and just flipping them daily so you can do something different every day. And not, it, they'll repeat each other after a while, but it'll be, you know, draw a picture, read an ex, you know, of your reading and explain it, and then one day it'll be oral narration, next day it might be, you know, choose a quote and explain it from your reading, or create a poster, or create a diary entry, that type of thing. And then there's also an idea for a narration jar that will, you cut out like these uh, little prompts that say draw a picture, like I said, and you'll fill it into a little jar, put it like a mason jar, and then you just pick one out every day. So it's not like the flip card where it's, it's, it's basically the same thing, but just a different form, depending on, you know, what you think is fun. 
and there's also just a list of great ways to do narration. Um, if, like you could ask your child, if you were going to give a test on this reading, what three questions would you ask? And that's, that's a great one. I, I found a lot of interesting responses to that because it's a different perspective on a reading. And as a teacher, you were a student and now you're the teacher, you know those are very different perspectives. And it's interesting to see your child have that teaching perspective. So ask them, if you were the teacher, what would you ask? What, what, what elements were important enough that you think we should be studying or exploring? And you can um, have them act out like a short script. You can have them make a scene from the book out of Legos and then um, explain it, comparing contrasting characters in the book to, your, to yourself, finding biblical truths in the reading. Uh, pointing out important events. So there's a lot of different ways to explore reading and to encourage a lot of narration. Now, the book also includes some graphic organizers that um, for a chapter summary, uh, drawing story elements and story mapping and character studies. So it's a great little um, download for you, and it's free on TalkingMomToMom.com. And also we have Included with that is Ellis in Wonderland copywork. It's three pages of copywork using um, beautiful text from Ellis in Wonderland, and that should be fun. It's it's kind of it's a, it's kind of a pretty sheet, and they can write it, and then you can you know put it up on your refrigerator. Kids used to my kids used to like that. They used to like to see that because a lot of times they'd write in their composition book, but there's every now and then I would create something fun for them to do as well. So hopefully that was of hope to you, and hopefully you'll go and download those resources. And I do hope that you join us next week when Lindsay does return, and she will have some really great things for art study, music study, and nature study. It's, all, it's a lot. It's a tall order, but she did a fantastic job, and I cannot wait to hear all the things that she has discovered. I've been listening to her talk about, get excited about it, and I'm really excited to hear even more. She had some really fun ideas, and she has smaller children who are having fun doing a lot of nature studies, so that will be fun. And remember that you can email us any questions um, about anything, anything homeschooling, any, anything you'd like, at info at talkingmomtomom.com. And we will answer your questions on a future podcast. And also you can give Give us any suggestions for future shows that, you know, whatever you'd like to hear, just let us know. And you can join us on our Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash talkingmomtomom.com. And you will um, you can find a lot of great conversations going on there. You will find um, more links to our freebies and fun things like that. And also on there, you can ask us questions and we can use those on our podcast as well. So thank you so much for joining us, and we can't wait to come back next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Mom to Mom with Lindsay and Rochelle. Talking Mom to Mom is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.